1: music, cut the music. Even everybody. This show is called, uh, it's called Carving Up Live. I am the host, Bryson Carver. And this is a tough day for me. I'm a wounded tiger today. because the 2023 Golden State Warriors they are no more as if that isn't bad enough as if that didn't cause me to have sleepless nights over the weekend I lost two bets simultaneously when that game concluded two not just one the first one is those who are watching live I know of a shaved face and on my very own show, I feel naked, feel exposed. I feel vulnerable and just not like myself. That was the bet I lost to my dad, who told me going into these playoffs that the Warriors would not get out of the second round. I had the audacity, so I thought to, to bet him that that would not be the case. And uh, here I sit here today with not a, not a hair on my face. And the second one, far more painful, was made last October. When uh, on the NBA, the Carving It Up NBA preview show, I had a guy who's going to be a guest on today's show, Barry Grant Jr. of the All Even Podcast. He'll be stopping by in about 23 minutes. And we bet that if the Golden State Warriors won the championship, he, as a Lakers fan, would have to wear a Warriors jersey on my show. But if anybody, not just the Lakers, if anybody else did, if the field did, i have to wear a Lakers jersey. And here I am today, sporting a, if you guys could see, a LeBron James jersey back when he wore the number 23 back in the back in the day in Los Angeles. Today is not a good day to be the host of Carving It Up Live. We'll have a lot of basketball to talk. Celtics, Sixers, game seven. Tatum was unbelievable. Philadelphia collapsed like I knew they would. Monty Williams got fired. That surprised me. John Morant acted like an idiot on social media. That didn't surprise me. And I will give my predictions for the conference finals at the end of the show. But this is not going to be a fun one. And Grady says, my man Grady Edwards, Bryson, I didn't know you were a Lakers fan. That is the very reason I'm miserable, Grady. And that is why it is going to take all I can muster to survive today's show. And when Barry stops by at about 625 Eastern, I don't know if I'm going to make it, but I will do my best because I love doing this show, and I'm not wrong often, but when I am, I got to take the L. And so with that, I will start with game six, Warriors-Lakers. Lakers stop the Warriors, 122-101, in a game in which LeBron James played his best playoff game, you could argue, since the 2020 NBA Finals against the Miami Heat, a series in which he won Finals MVP. That was the last time the Lakers made the finals and won the championship, of course, and honestly, I feel like they're the favorites today. I'll get to more of that later in the show, but this was a game that I said coming in on Friday. Heck, I even said on my show, after the Game 4 loss, the Lonnie Walker show. Remember the 15-point quarter by Lonnie Walker to help the Lakers win that Game 4 and take a commanding three games to one lead? And I predicted almost immediately after that the Golden State Warriors Would do the impossible. Make the comeback from 3-1 just as they did against the Oklahoma City Thunder back in 2016. Just like LeBron James did to them the very next series in the 2016 NBA Finals. And they won Game 5. I don't think that was a shock to anybody, including Lakers fans. They were supposed to win Game 5. They were at home. You know, home crowd on their side. Desperate. Role player stepped up. You won. No surprise there. But I said Game 6 would be the tough one. I knew what I was going to get from Steph. And what did he do? He gave you his typical 32 points, six rebounds, five assists, basically his season averages. And I said the key was going to be guys like Clay Thompson, who scored eight points on three for 19 for the field and two for 12 and three. Safe to say the game six, Clay, he was nowhere to be found. He stayed in San Francisco, where his, his doppelganger, doppelganger, Clay Thompson, who's been struggling all series aside from game two, he, he showed up to the crypto.com arena and, He didn't play too well. And Draymond Green, who had a great game five. I didn't expect to give the great scoring output. He was pretty much cooked the entire night by Anthony Davis. Particularly in the offensive glass. I mean, the Lakers got how many second chance opportunities? It was unbelievable. Gary Payton only gave him four points. Figured he played better. Andrew Wiggins. I'm not going to be hard on Wiggins today. Only two for eight. But the the kid was playing through a broken rib. Okay, I'm not going to be brutal on, on Andrew Wiggins today. And Golden State, outside of Steph Curry, had one player score in double figures, and that was Dante DiVincenzo, who gave you 16. Played well. Jordan Poulos, he's been all season long, particularly in the postseason, was garbage. Kevon Looney was worked on the offensive glass, which he isn't. It's not really his brand. That's not usually what happens with him. Jonathan Kaminga barely played. Moses Moody did what he could, but he's only in his second year in the NBA. I think when the game ended, when the game concluded and I had time to reflect, actually happened to go on a live Instagram live with Barry and with my man, Ryan Flowers, who's also a Lakers fan, host of Clutch Sports Talk, did a great show yesterday, by the way, here at the grid. And after I kind of processed it, couldn't sleep that night, I started thinking, I was like, you know what? This may not have been our year. That's obvious. It's easy to say that now season is literally over. But hindsight's 2020, and I've said this for the longest time. I do not believe in asterisks next to championships. I don't believe in it. I don't. To to me, it's taking credit away from the unbelievable work, the efforts, the the game planning by the coaching staff, all the things that go into play to you being a championship-level team. It takes credit away because the reality is there's not a single champion in the history of sports, even the all-time great teams, that haven't gotten just a little lucky. And there's nothing wrong with that. Lucky is a part of sports. When people say, oh, this team got lucky because this guy got injured, it's like, well, it's sports. That happens. Like, I'm not taking credit away from one team just because a guy went down or uh, there was a bad call by the official or uh, you know, a player made a gaffe during a game like Chris Webber 30 years ago. Like that, That's just part of sports. And a big thing that I've said is things got to go your way to win a championship. And looking back, not a whole lot went Golden State's way. The way it did last year. Number one, the preseason incident. The punch. Punch heard around the world, leaked by TMZ, and was a topic of conversation seemingly all season long. Between Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. Hurt the team chemistry in the locker room. Those who took Draymond's side, those who took Poole's side, those who didn't know who to choose. Hurt team chemistry in the locker room. The Warriors got off to an 0-5 road start. I was actually there for one of those games in Charlotte. The Hornets, who were awful this year. The Pistons the very next night, by the way, who were awful this year. They lost to both of those teams. They even lost to Orlando, who was competitive, but never a playoff threat. Got off to a rough start. The second thing. Steph Curry suffered two major injuries. One against the Indiana Pacers. On I forgot the day I know it was mid December. Uh, he he reached in to try and steal the ball, and a guy driving the basket pulled his shoulder and missed basically a month. And you saw he had that compression sleeve on his shoulder and his arm the rest of the season. And The second time, he injured his knee on I think it was February fourth, if I'm not mistaken, against the Dallas Mavericks. Missed another month. So that's your best player, and might be the best player in the world, missing two whole months. Not been able to build continuity with the team. You know, missing time. And I mean, there's plenty of games the Warriors could have easily won had stepped in the lineup. He wasn't there. The third thing, the Andrew Wiggins situation. Now, I want to be very clear. I am not criticizing Andrew Wiggins for taking time away from the team. As a matter of fact, when he was away from the team for two months, I ripped those who acted as if, oh, Andrew Wiggins, you know, he's just his heart's not in basketball. It's a BS. Andrew Wiggins is always available. Like, for him to be gone this long, something would be wrong. And we ended up finding out what the situation was. It was a health issue in the family. He was, his absence was more than justified, absolutely. Family over basketball. But he was gone for two months. And outside of a few playoff games here and there, never really found his rhythm. Even before the rib injury, which he suffered in Game 5, never really built a level of consistency, wasn't as aggressive as he was last postseason, and wasn't quite as good defensively. Like, the most reliable guy, honestly, in Golden State's roster physically has been Andrew Wiggins along with Kavon Looney as well. And he missed two months. That's hard to come back from. The fourth thing, the failed James Wiseman experience. I thought that James Wiseman was going to step up this year and supplant Kavon Looney in the starting lineup and really live up to that number two overall pick that the Warriors drafted him as in 2020. He was not. Not really sure in terms of fit if it really worked in Golden State. They moved on from him, got Gary Payton. And while Gary Payton, I think, is a a crucial role player to the Warriors, he doesn't have even close the upside that Wiseman does. The problem was, A, Wiseman, I don't think, fit Golden State that well. And B, even if he did, by the time he would have fully developed, it's possible the big three might have been retired by that point. So it would have been no, it it wouldn't have mattered anyway. And the fifth thing was... Last year, a guy who was the fourth or fifth best player on the team, is it fair to say? Took a massive, massive step back Step back this year, and that was Jordan Poole. If you want to know how Jordan Poole, you know, we, we, we see the games, we're like, oh, man, he's not playing well. But when the numbers reflect how bad you're playing, that's when you can get a good sense of, of how bad you truly were. Jordan Poole this postseason. In 13 games, averaged 10 points on 34% for the field, 25% from three-point range. A guy who was an excellent, led the league in free throw percentage last year. Beat out Steph Curry for that title. He shot 76% from the free throw line. <sighs> That's who he was all season long. You heard Steve Kerr after the game. You heard Draymond Green in his podcast. He talked about, both of them talked about, this team kind of maxed out. I was one who predicted the Warriors before the season to win the championship. Never moved off that pick until the buzzer sounded in game six. Because I feel like championship pedigree, having the best player in the league in his prime. I thought some of the guys who've been a part of so many championships, like a Klay Thompson, like a Draymond Green, Clay Thompson in particular, would step up. The fact of the matter is they didn't. And you could also make the case, and I thought this would be the deciding factor, because if you remember, I picked Warriors in seven. I thought it would go the distance. I felt like the Darvin Ham-Steve Kerr coaching matchup would be just that, a mismatch. Actually, you could argue Darvin Ham might have outcoached Steve Kerr in terms of how he game planned to, you can't stop Steph Curry, but to at least limit Steph Curry the way the Sacramento Kings were not able to. Whereas Steve Kerr, you can argue it's due to personnel. You can argue it's due to game planning had no answer for Anthony Davis. And in game six, had no answer for LeBron James. After looking at this season, maybe this one just wasn't meant to be. And that is crushing as a Warriors fan to admit, but that's what it looks like. For the Lakers, we have to give credit to the winning team. Because simply put, they were better than Golden State in this series. But I don't think it was as bad by much as some people make it out to be. I'll explain why. Two of the Lakers' four wins of the series came, out, came in blowout fashion, right? Games three and game six. Game three, they won by 30. Game six, they won by, was it 20? Yeah, 21. The Warriors' two wins in this series, games two and five, came in blowout fashion as well. Golden State in uh, Game 2 won by 27, and in Game 5, they won by 15. The series came down to two situations in which the Warriors, over the course of this dynasty, have been excellent. And that's what the NBA now knows as clutch time. Last five minutes, in particular the last two minutes. Right, If it's a tie game, if it's a one-point game, Do your guys close the deal? Do they make the key plays down the stretch, whether it's big shots, big defensive plays? Golden State overwhelmingly did that against Sacramento in the previous series. They've overwhelmingly done that over the course of the dynasty. But in game one, after they go on a crazy 14-0 run to tie the game, Steph Curry gets his shot blocked. Uh, D'Angelo Russell gets a clear path to the rim for an, uh, for a layup. Uh, Jordan Poole takes a shot that was probably pretty ill-advised. I, I, I was fine with Poole taking the shot. Uh, if you look back at what I said at the time, given how he played, but I thought he could have taken one dribble and then went up for a shooting motion. And the Lakers executed better down the stretch. And in Game 4, Steph Curry missed two shots against Anthony Davis. Lonnie Walker went off for 15 points. Anthony Davis got some big rebounds and steals. The Lakers executed better. But that's not to say that the Lakers were not absolutely the better team. And you have to give all the credit in the world to Rob Polinka, a guy who I have just been ripping for the last year or so. And I remember talking about the Lakers at the end of last season and the beginning of this season when they started 2-10. and As I said, that for LA, for Rob Polinka in particular, you have a LeBron James who, while he's not, not still in his prime, I feel so validated today saying that he's one of the five best players in the world. And there was this notion, ah, he's maybe not. Guys, he just had 39 and nine on 40 plus minutes against the defending champs. He's still pretty good. And he's still, I don't care what anybody says, the best player in the Lakers. I know what I'm getting from LeBron on a night-to-night basis. Anthony Davis, while he played great in this series and he was not coin flip Davis, you kind of hold your breath physically and in terms of consistency. But this was an organization that outside of one year, 2019-20, one year was a championship contender with, in my be the greatest player of all time. And my case was Miami was a title contender all four years he was there. And Cleveland, about if you look at the first and second stints, about half of those years, they were legit title contenders. I'm like, guys, you can't be outdone. You're the Los Angeles Lakers. You can't be outdone by Cleveland. And the season changed this February. Rob Palenka made the deals at the deadline. Not just at the deadline. Got Rui Hachimura back in January, which is kind of the first big deal. Rui's played well this postseason. You go out and get, bring D'Angelo Russell back to Los Angeles. You go out and get guys like Malik Beasley, who's been, you know, kind of, you know, hasn't been all that good this, uh, this postseason. But, You know, maybe he steps up later on for the Lakers. Mobamba, they make that deal. You give all the credit in the world to the Lakers and to Rob Polinka. And to Darvin Ham, who's, is it fair to say, kind of as a coach sort of growing up before our very eyes, listen, first-year head coaches winning championships has been pretty common over the last decade. Steve Kerr did it. Ty Lue did it. Nick Nurse did it. uh, Frank Vogel did it. Is it outlandish to say that Darvin Ham could do it? especially given the fact that I think in terms of how they play, in terms of the matchup problems that they bring to the table against any of the final teams remaining, be it Boston, Denver, or Miami. I don't know how you couldn't say, this is the favorite, these these are the favorites to win the championships today, to win the championship today. That makes me sick to my stomach to say as, as a Warriors fan, but I got I gotta be honest with what my eyes are telling me. You've got... A top five player in LeBron James, a top 10 player in Anthony Davis, and a fantastic supporting cast full of great defensive players, tremendous shooters. By the way, even the guys that were there early in the season, Dennis Schroeder was big in the series. Austin Reeves has just gotten better every time he takes the floor. Uh, To me, I was talking about this on the IG Live the other day, to me, the, the game, the momentum turned. Right, Lakers get off to this 27-10 start and it's like, okay, we just need to settle down, you know, get some stops, get out in transition, and we did. Steph went on a like an 8-0 scoring run in the first quarter. It's a 7-point game we're playing with them. I feel good. And Klay Thompson airballs a shot. DiVincenzo gets a shot blocked by Anthony Davis at the rim, and Austin Reeves swishes a half-quarter. To go to help the Lakers go in the locker room with a 10-point lead. And I'm like, dang. <laughs> like we 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 fought our guts out for the entire half. He makes an incredible shot, and you back down double digits, and they never recovered after that. So you give credit to the Lakers, the front office, the organization, and the two best players who were tremendous in this series. Lakers Nuggets, I will predict that, as well as the winner of Heat Celtics later in the show. Briefly, though, on Boston, and I'll get into this more with, uh, with my guests in about five minutes or so. But for the Boston Celtics, they won game seven. They were down three games to two in this series. Uh, And I talked about after they lost on Thursday in game six. I'm sorry, after uh, Boston won in game six in Philadelphia, said on my show the very next day on Friday that, A, there's no way Philadelphia is winning a game seven in Boston after squandering an opportunity to close the Celtics out. Given the fact that Jason Tatum missed 13 of his first 14 shots, you're at home. Role players, as we all know, play way better at home than away from home, away from the Wells Fargo Center. In the case of the Sixers, and you weren't able to come through. You squandered the opportunity. And uh, Jason Tatum made you pay for that. Steph Curry couldn't have the only 50-point game in Game 7 for two weeks. At least he could say he had the first, though. Jason Tatum, 51 points, 13 rebounds, by the way. To me, that's getting really, uh, you know— Overlooked by the, the, which obviously 51 points is way more impressive 13 rebounds, but still, and he was active as heck on the defensive end. 17 for 28 from the field, 6 for 10 from three-point range. You got help from Jalen Brown with the cool 22. Brogdon came off the bench, gave you 12. Marcus Smart gave you good defense and good hustle plays. Al Horford played excellent against the MVP defensively. To me, the outcome of this series was by far the least shocking of these playoffs. I'm talking first round included. This is who Boston is. Typically, since Jason Tatum has kind of moved into his prime. And this is who Philadelphia is. Everything that I said about the Sixers, why I was worried about them, shocker, shocker, came to fruition. Joel Embiid's health. He was hurt for game one. Came back out of too soon for game two, and the Sixers got the doors blown off them. And by the way, we need to start putting that same, giving that same energy to Joel and B playing bad in a game seven as we would for a LeBron James, for a Steph Curry, for a Kevin Durant. James Harden, can we we can just now add this to the list of playoff shortcomings? 2015. I'm not, I don't hold against them that Houston lost to Golden State, but you're at a game five on the road, close on opportunity at Oracle Arena, and James Harden breaks the playoff record for turnovers. Turn, uh, turnovers. Game 6, 2017, second round against the San Antonio Spurs. You are at home. The Spurs do not have Tony Parker. They do not have Kawhi Leonard. They go into your building and beat you by 40, and you shot, I forgot, was it like 2 for 10 or something, 2 for 12? He was awful. And I thought that your Harden arguably could have been the MVP. 2018, up three games to two. You say, well, there's no Chris Paul. There's no Chris Paul. Well, Harden won the MVP that year. Aren't you supposed to? Get it done. You got a 17-point lead in game six. Squander that. A 15-point halftime lead in game seven on your home floor. And you are the catalyst of a team that missed 27 straight three-pointers. 2019. Down three games to two. Game six at home. The Golden State Warriors with no bench now have no Kevin Durant, who got hurt in that previous game five. You lose a game in which Steph Curry was scoreless at the half. 2021. 2021. Came back too early off of a hamstring injury. Was awful in Game 7 against the Milwaukee Bucks, leaving Kevin Durant out to dry. 2022, last year, Game 6, at home, Miami Heat. Collapsed. i go so far as to say quit. And now this year, Game 6, in your home building. Chance to close Boston out. Go to the Sixers' first Eastern Conference Finals in 20 years. James Harden. 4 for 16, 0 for 6 from 3, 13 points. And in Game 7, folks, the man looks like he had more interest in going to Houston than he did in playing a Game 7. 3 for 11, 1 for 5 from 3. He failed to score in double figures with 9 points than you and I had. 9 more points than you and I had, rather. And Doc Rivers. This is now the 7th time he has blown a 3-2 or 3-1 lead in a playoff series. While I respect Doc as a man, there has not been a coach in the history of the NBA that has gotten more of a leash off of a championship that happened 15 years ago. Like 2008, that was, that was a long time ago. Blown through one lead with the Clippers, Blown multiple 3-2 leads blown with the Clippers, blown 3-2 lead against uh, uh, against the, the uh, Celtics this year. Philadelphia is going to have to retool their roster in a major way. James Harden's likely gone to Houston. I'd be stunned if Doc Rivers keeps his job. And for Joel Embiid, again, for a guy that just won the MVP, I thought deservedly so. It's about time we start giving that same energy. If, 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 if any of the truly, I'm talking all-time, all-time greats, had a game seven like Joel Embiid in which he scored 15 points on 5-for-18 from the field, only as a 7-2 big man, 8 rebounds. If any of those guys played that way in Game 7, by essentially for him, Year 7, a healthy Year 7, still failing to get to the Conference Finals and having plenty of opportunities to do so, this is now the third Game 7 that Joel Embiid has lost with an opportunity to advance to the Conference Finals. And in all of them, he played below his standard. I think he's got to evolve the way he plays. He's very iso ball kind of stationary. Isn't in the paint as much as you would like if you're a Philadelphia fan. This is going to be a very interesting offseason for the Sixers. Harden's likely gone. I'd say Doc is likely gone. And for Joel Embiid, you're going to have to retail your game, bro. It's not looking good for Philadelphia. For Boston, I feel like this is... They, these guys are probably the favorites to get out of the East today. Tatum is... One of the three or four best players left in the playoffs at this point. Jalen Brown, all NBA player, deep bench. And Joe Missoula is doing a good job in this postseason. Now they've got a heck of a matchup in terms of the coaching matchup between the kid Missoula and the Vets, the future hall of famer, Eric Spolstra. That's going to be a fun series. Rematch of last year and a rematch of 2020, which the Lakers nuggets is also a rematch from 2020 showing and validating what I said that the bubble was not a fluke. We have got to stop with the asterisks when the bubble happens. Get to the comments before I get to Barry. Let's see what we got. Uh, (laughs) Grady, the third Splash Brother drowned in a pool somewhere. Oh, I see. I like what you did there. I like what you did. That's that's nice, Grady. That's nice. He says, Golden State got too uh, too comfy, but you guys will be back. Just need to retool. Just because you came, uh, came up short doesn't mean the sky is falling. Just need to refocus and come back stronger next year. I totally agree, and I'll sort of address this stupid notion that's already circulating in the media that the dynasty is over. I mean, we, we, we really got to do this again. I'll talk about that later on today's show. He says, can you guys bring Jordan Poole and Draymond back together? If you can convince Poole to be Eric Gordon or Lou Williams, uh, Grady, I don't think he is. I don't think Poole would take to plan that role. Awful, awful kindly. Cause first of all, Gordon is more of a spot up shooter. He used to be more of a short shooter uh, of a pure score. Now he's more of a, just a spot up shooter. Lou Williams. I think he's a better comparison. Jordan Poole thinks he's the dude, thinks he helped build this dynasty. Nah, that's. I don't think that's going to work at all. But you cannot bring Poole and Draymond back next year. To me, you bring Draymond back, you see what you can get for Poole. Lakers weren't that much better, but they were better. The Warriors were just Rocky Balboa in Rocky Three, Distracted, and clearly this team wasn't together. So there you go. I'm with you. Okay, so uh, I have... Uh, I have a debt to pay. I'm paying it right now as as we speak about the shaved beard and the Lakers jersey. Now it's time for the gloating to start. I did it in 2022, just 11 months ago on Wednesday, June 17th, 2022. Got to gloat in this man's face who thought the dynasty was over and thought Golden State's run was over. And now it is time for him to return the favor. Joining Carving It Up Live is a lifelong Lakers fan, the host of the All Even podcast, the co-founder, Of the Grid Network and frequent guests on Carving It Up Live. He needs no introduction. He is. Barry Grant Jr. And I will give you the floor, sir. Ah, man.
2: Boy, oh boy, oh boy, I tell you. You know what it is, man, you know. I called today Walk It Back Monday. Because there's a lot of people, not just you, not just a whole bunch of pundits out there, people in my personal life as well. Just like to throw dirt on things that just don't need to be thrown dirt on. Right? Lakers, two and ten. Yeah, Westbrook on the teams, a whole bunch of stuff they talk about. Is Rob Pelinka good? Can he even put together a good roster? What are you doing? Who's Austin Reeves? Yeah, you're going to have to re-sign him. You did stuff. You did some stupid stuff. Oh, you did it again. Who's this guy? Troy Brown Jr. Who's this guy? He spent all his money on Lonnie Walker. What are you doing? Darvin Ham, new coach. What are you doing? Yeah. Then I go ahead and I ask a question before the deadline. I said, you know, I put out a little poll and I said, are the Lakers finished? Are they going to make the playoffs? What are you guys thinking? People, they they came in droves, Bryson. They're done. They're 13th place. Are you kidding me? Where are they going? They're not even going to play in the, the play-in tournament. They're going to give the Pelicans a a, 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 a Wemboyama. This is all that stuff. Is gonna, you guys suck. Huh? Okay. All I said was sweet. First domino. Was getting Rui Hachimura. So I said, mm. kid's been very talented, you know, played a Gonzaga, good player, right? And I said, What happens if they go ahead and make some more trades for some younger pieces? Get some athleticism in here. Let's see what happens. So bring in some more young guys. Then I said, you know what? This particular team is different. And the reason why it was different, Bryson. Was because that when they made the trade, LeBron was out. LeBron was hurt. They went on a tear when that trade started without LeBron James. Then Anthony Davis missed a little time. And they still started to play well. And I was like, wait a second, something's different here. And you know what really was the difference, too? They came in having fun. It felt like 2020. I said, hmm, D-Lo came in very mature, said all the right things, glad to be back. He never really wanted to leave, but he had to because it's about business and maturity is a thing, and he's ready for the spotlight now. I said, man, I want this team to be able to make the playoffs, but let's take it game at a time. I said, they can finish 18-9. and nine. They got a shot. Lo and behold, they finished eighteen and nine, didn't they? Man, I tell you about this truth-telling thing, Bryson. You know, should you should use it one day? You do, you do. You're very good at it. You're very good at, it. You're very good at it that yeah, well. Listen, you know, everybody counted them out of Memphis. You heard all the pundits. Oh, Lakers, they're gonna lose to Memphis. That's a better team. And then we won Game One. Oh, you know, Memphis is gonna take. And once Game Two came off oh, here here comes the Grizzlies. All right, yeah. Didn't happen. Lakers took for the next two games. Oh, okay. Well, then people started to believe. Beat them off, right? Dust them off by forty in Game Six. Now comes the challenge, right? Golden State, the NBA defending champions, the dynasty. Oh, four championships in the last ten seasons. They were one of the greatest teams of all time. All oh, great, great. I sat here, with my good friend Bryson, my brother. I said, Bryson. Y'all are good. I give it to you. I ain't going to disrespect uh, Steph. I'm not going to disrespect nobody. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's over in six. It's over. We're the better team. Everybody just doesn't want to come around to it because guess what? We're Lakers Laker fans. When you're a Laker fan, it's th- there's, there's natural shade that comes with it. And then when you have LeBron attached to the Lakers, natural shade that comes with it. I told you. Six. Yeah? Still first game. Same thing happens, right? You come on your show, and I watch your show every time. It's a very good show. Everybody check it out. Three uh, one, they've been here before, and they have, and it's, it's fine. Game six clay, you know the thing. Thirty points against Houston. Thirty points here. Thirty points. I said Bryce, you are gonna go see no game six clay. We're gonna see Chick Fil A clay. That's exactly what we got. Lakers and six, all right. I want to know who's gonna doubt my team this time because here's the thing, right? They want to talk about the bubble championship without being an asterisk. Uh, it's not a real championship. I never hear anybody talking about Tim Duncan's uh, lockout championship being a false, but being a falsehood. Never heard an asterisk ness of that. And there was fifty games in that one. Knicks got to the finals in that one. So nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about that. But because it's the Lakers. Shade, because it's LeBron, Shade, you put those together, double shade, right? Okay, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But the four teams that are left, very interesting, is the same four teams that were in the bubble. Oh, 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 goodness. And I can tell you this. If Miami would have won that championship, wouldn't nobody be talking about no asterisk. But it's because it's the Lakers and LeBron James. I get it. I understand. There has to be a narrative that the the, the networks like to talk about. You see how stupid Richard Jefferson looked on his show? You see how stupid he looked? Look how many people. Shaq. Charles Charles Barkley never picks against the Lakers. You can bet on it. You can bet the house on it. Charles Barkley would be picking the Nuggets in the series to win. Bank it. Before you even hear it, you're gonna hear it. So, Bryson, you look good. You should keep that particular shaven face there. Yeah, you look about 12, 13. Um, and that jersey. That jersey's good. It's real good. But I'm trying to tell you that I told you this was gonna happen. This is no surprise to me. I'm not shocked. This is not one of those celebrations where it's like, oh, I knew it. I've known it
0: along. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: This is one of the best teams in the league. Best defense in the league. We got the best defensive player that's still left in the league. And we have the old man that just buys his time and he waits to strike. Just like one of those, one of those old Cobras. That's all he is. He's going to wait until game four, game six. And he's going to put the hammer down. What a luxury to have. Let the big man do all the work. Let all the kids run run crazy. And then big dog going to come and take the big piece of chicken. Close the series out. That's what's going to happen again. Lakers in six. I don't care about no Joker. I don't care about no Aaron Gordon. I don't care about no KCP who's talking. He better shut his mouth too. Because if he keeps talking, it's going to be problems. You saw what happened to Jermichael Green. Mister Mister. He had pine in his butt talking all that smack. And ended up getting his team hurt in game six. All right? That's all I'm saying. Lakers are the best team left in the playoffs. Everybody just needs to embrace it and understand what's coming. It's coming. Okay? And what I'm doing here on Bryson show, this is only a little microcosm of what's going to happen. Because I have some stuff planned. If they win a championship, it's going to get bad. It's going to get bad for a lot of people. Okay? That's what I'm saying. You go ahead. This is your show. I'm not going to take it over. more. Go.
1: All right so uh, 45 minutes later after Barry's uh diatribe uh, so first of all I listen there's a lot of people deserve credit for the game six win. I'm not gonna give credit to Michael Green he did not step foot on the floor uh, but you know that's, that's we're not gonna act like this was like Dylan Brooks the Pope Bears comment I'm just I'm just saying you but in cap you'd never do that. I think Braun was gonna kill gold say anyway.
2: It made it worse.
1: Okay. So uh, you sort of just answered about 17 of my questions there.
2: Um, gotten don't worry about it, yeah.
1: Yeah, as, 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 as far as – I sort of briefly discussed, I think the Lakers are the championship favorites today. I, and I, I was consistent on this. I said the winner of Golden State Lakers was going to win the championship. Uh, I still feel that same way today. Uh, it was the
2: best series left in the playoffs, to be honest with you.
1: Competitive wise, yes, I agree. Um, in terms of in terms of title contenders, starting with with your Lakers, I think the big surprise for me personally uh, was that it felt like Darvin Ham kind of outcoached Steve Kerr in the series, in that it felt like. Darvin Steph still had a good series, but it wasn't near as effective as he was against Sacramento. Now Sacramento's not a good defensive team. Steph's great. It's not a good combination for for NBA Siberia, as you would say. Um, but he, you know, the, he threw the Vanderbilt matchup at him. He threw the shooter matchup at him. He double. Uh, and he would base, especially in game six, he was daring guys like Clay, guys like Draymond to beat him, particularly from the three point line. Whereas Steve Kerr, and again, I don't know if this is necessarily Kerr's fault because I don't know if personnel came into play, had no answer for Anthony Davis and sure had no answer for LeBron in game six. What was sort of just, if you had to pinpoint one takeaway from this series from a basketball standpoint, it would be what?
2: Uh, I, going with what you said, I don't think that Kerr necessarily got out coached. I think he was out Okay. And you know, if you don't have many cards to play, there's nothing you can really do. You can't pull from nothing, right? So if you notice that after game one, he started, he tinkered with so many different things to try to see what worked. He was trying. He's trying his best. I mean, if there's one thing that anybody can say at this point, is that Steve Kerr was really trying to find something. He was trying to find a spark. He was trying to find anything that can be able to motivate those other kids, other role players to be able to have some type of consistency, whether it be for a game or two to try to see if they can be able to extend the series. Cause in Kerr's mine, it's like, if I can be able to just steal one more game and force this to seven, then all bets are off. And then we can be able to throw everything in game seven. We can, you know, make Steph play 48 minutes. If we wanted to, we can be able to, just throw everything at, you know, th- everything but the kitchen sink, right? Including the kitchen sink. But it, it just, there was there was nothing that he can particularly do. He tried. Um, you know, when you're paying Jordan Poole $127 million and he gives you nothing. Um, and then, you know, you have to rely on guys like DiVincenzo. You have to rely on guys like Gary Payton. You got to rely on guys like Jermichael Green. You got to rely on guys like, like uh, you know, Moses Moody. They even turn to Kaminga. So, like all of these things, it's like you—you you look at the end of the bench. At, if you're Steve Kerr, you're just like, I got nothing. I got nothing. I have to go ahead and just rely on the guys that I have. Hopefully, they can be able to give me something. If they can't, then we just got to call it a call a spade a spade. And that's exactly what I saw in the series. I saw from game one. I, you know, I was watching the game with, with my good friend, and I called him, um, called him after, and I was like, bro. I said, if you didn't see what I saw, I'll tell you what I saw. I saw a coach that is at the end of his road already in regards to what he sees that he can be able to do adjustment-wise. He's going to try, but I already see that he's he's at his wit's end. He was like, you saw that in game one? I said, yeah, I saw that in game one. And I really saw it at the end of game two. Saw that. I saw that. Even in the blowout. Remember, we had a conversation. I texted you. I said, Arvin Ham was smiling after this game because he saw exactly what I saw. He said, there's not much he has left. I still have another ace or two I can be able to play. And that ace was Lonnie Walker. Yep. And, you know, shouts to him. And then the other ace was putting Dennis Schroeder in that starting lineup in game six. That made a big difference. Schroeder didn't play great offensively but he is a very underrated defender. And when you got a guy that can be able to stick with, you know, the guys that can be able to get around the screens and you're not, you're not taking shortcuts. You're not, you're not, you know, shooting the gap. He's playing his man. Those things after a while, it's going to weigh on you. And Steph played a lot of minutes in this, in the series. It's going to weigh on you at some point. Steph is no spring chicken. He's still a great player, still effective, but he's also 35 years old. We have to start thinking about those things that, guys like lebron and guys like steph yeah they're they're defying logic in regards to how long they can be able to extend their careers but age is age and you know at some point steph is going to have to he's going to slow down a bit that jump shot won't but he but he will so you know it's 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 more of they're going to have to try to you know we were talking about this earlier that they're going to have to go and get some role players get some veteran guys because last year they had that this year they decided to try to turn it over to the kids because they thought the kids were ready. They're not. And it's time to go back to the old formula, go back to go get some veterans that know their roles and understand what their place is, and you're not going to have this budding heads that you've been having all season with Kamingas. You know, he's not happy with his minutes. You know, Moody, I haven't heard anything about him, but, you know, with Jordan Poole, it just did not feel right from the jump. That's why the fight happened. Whoever leaked that obviously is a, is a is a chump. But that was the start of it. Draymond saw it. He was like, this, yeah. "This is not a this is not a team that I like." So I'm gonna have to try to shake things up early and try to see if we can be able to shake off whatever bad omen is on this team this year. And that's exactly he he saw it, and it is what it is. You heard what Jordan Poole's comments were, and it's no surprise to me. Um, he's a guy that just he doesn't buy into Golden State's culture nope. and they need to get rid of him. But going back to your original question, Steve Kerr played the hands that he that he that he that he had and there was no other there was no other cards to play for him. So, you know, it, it was what it was.
1: Well that's on, that's why I kind of threw in the the whole notion about hey, was it was it just a personnel problem? Cause there's no question the Lakers were the far deeper team in this series. Uh Obviously, we knew they were the much better defensive team. I just felt like, in terms of the adjustments, Steve Kerr was able to make. But you make a good point. He probably just didn't have. He was he was way more limited in what he could do than he he has been in in previous series. I mean, think about Sacramento last series. A couple of games, he brought Draymond off the bench, exactly. uh, and it sort of brought a new new uh, new change in terms of a tempo, in terms of how you know the Kings could game plan around that. I don't and think.
2: I, listen, if they keep Draymond, you know, obviously we're getting off topic, but if they keep Draymond, I don't think that that's a bad role for.
1: Them. I I swear to you, I was going to propose that today because I know there was uh th- there was a report about potentially Golden State could look at like a Pascal Siakam in Toronto, um, which could fit. So you could have Steph Clay Siakam, Wiggins, whoever your big man is, maybe Looney and Draymond come off the bench. All right. It's it kind of he could play the Andre Iguodala role. Obviously less athletic, but that's kind of what Iguodala was for most of the first part of the dynasty. So I
2: think it would be a, I think, it would be a very interesting dynamic and wrinkle for this team because obviously he can, he doesn't have to start the game, but he can always finish the game. Of course. So you know, it it will be it, it. They they if they keep him, I think that's something that they're gonna be open to, and him as well.
1: And I thought we talked on IG live uh, after the game was over. And I, I said, I, it felt like the writing was on the wall, on the wall that Draymond was going to be gone with the extensions to Wiggins and Poole, uh with what had happened in the preseason. But hearing on Draymond's podcast, hearing Steve Kerr and some of the Warriors players, it seemed like it's almost inevitable that Draymond's going to be back, which, you know, for me as a Warriors fan, is great news. Uh, and you talked about the veterans. Are there any guys in particular? Because I was looking at, you know, maybe you trade pool for like a Miles Turner, and yeah, you know, I think Grady suggested like a Buddy Hield or something, which is what the Lakers there was rumors about that all season long before they made their moves. Uh, is there one move in particular, whether it's bringing in a veteran, whether it's bringing in like a, a Siakam, like I mentioned, that would catapult this team? Because I think the notion that the dynasty's over is is bogus. Uh, that would catapult this team back into where they want to be in terms of, of title contention.
2: Uh I don't necessarily know. You know, we we really have to think about it. I have to see. I, there's nobody that comes off the top to see who's available, or who isn't, because I don't I don't necessarily know uh, what stars are going to become available. Obviously, right? So you know, we, it's they they just they need somebody that plays the Iguodala role and can probably be able to get to to give you a little bit more scoring, right? Right. Um,
1: to me, they gotta add wings though, because they're fine yeah. in terms of guard depth. You got Steph, Clay, Devin, Peyton. Right. Payton. Right. That's that's a that's excellent guard depth.
2: Right, that's what I'm saying. So, if, I mean, listen, this is this may be a, a reach, but I mean, can you can you look at a DeRozan? Can you, can you look at a DeRozan? And 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 then with a DeRozan, you can be able to move Draymond to the to the bench if you keep him, or you can move Wig to the bench. Like there's a there's a bunch of different things that you can be able to do Uh, I think whoever listen if it's going to be Bob Myers um or whoever the next GM is for the for the Golden State Warriors I think you can expect whoever it's going to be to be extremely aggressive this offseason to see what they can be able to do to to bring in like you said guys that that understand their roles and understand what this culture is you know it's one thing about it's one thing about kids is that, you know, you can always go young and all that stuff, but you never know if they're truly going to buy into the system because they want to be stars themselves. They want to start to, you know, branch out and do their own thing. And Jordan Poole was one of those guys that you, you hit on early and, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't that great early on. He got a lot of reps and then had the big, wonderful year last year. Kind of reminds me of you're, you guys are in the same situation that the New York Knicks are in with Julius Randle, is that he had that one fabulous okay. year, they paid him handsomely, and expected bigger things out of him, and he, they haven't received that playoff-wise. So, um, I don't know, man. It, 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 it'll be very interesting if they bring him back. It'll be very interesting. I, I
1: don't think they can bring him back, Barry. I, I I think in terms of the vibes of the locker room, I don't think he can.
2: I, I, I agree with you, but I've seen – I thought the same thing with Russell Westbrook. And they, they found a way him. though. He brought his ass back. So, you know, I, yes, they did trade him at the deadline, but that's fifty plus games into your season. And you know what I mean? So True. I don't know, man. I think I think if they do bring Poole back, I can't see how they bring Draymond back. And vice versa.
1: I'm with you. Yeah. But you you sort of hit on it. Priority number one: bring Bob Myers back. Like that yeah. that has to be at the top of the list. He, he's. And, done, I mean, if he
2: wants to, right? Like, if, if he, he wants to, yeah. Because that's the thing. He may he may end up taking a hiatus from from basketball altogether. It, it's not necessarily that like he may leave Golden State and go somewhere else. He may just kind of take a step away. I don't know, but we'll see. Because I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be able to find a way to get him back, unless in his mind he's like you know we have, we have done all we can do here, right? Like we've had a ton of success and he wants a new challenge. That's the only way that I see that that can't work was that he's just like, listen, let somebody else take it because I I would like a new challenge. I want to see what I could be able to do and build up another, another team if possible. So, you know, we'll see. It's going to be, It's listen, I've said it even before the series against the Lakers, you guys lose, it's going to be an extremely interesting summer for you, for the team. Like, I don't know. I really don't know where you guys go with the new CBA, um,
1: which I hate you know, by the way.
2: Yeah. With the new CBA rules and, 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 and the luxury tax stuff and the cap holes, like it, it's going to be very interesting to see where management and where the front office goes and how far they want to push it. Because if you push it too much, you're not going to be able to have that taxpayers, um, you know, uh, um, Exemption. You know uh, exemption there, so it, it, there's there's a lot of teams that are going to be in that situation, but at very at the top of the list, it's the Clippers and it's um it's Golden State, so you know it's going to be very interesting.
1: I mean, could we bring Kevin Durant back? I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. You never know.
2: I mean, listen, it, I'm,
1: I'm, uh, listen,
2: <laughs> I'm not putting anything by anybody because that man is
1: falling apart right now.
2: He has no loyalty to anyone, so you know I. If it, if it works, go ahead.
1: <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. To a – let's see. We got a couple comments here from uh, my man, Philip. He says, now, hang on, Barry. Don't look over the Nuggets. It's going to be a very tough series with Jokic and playoff Murray, not to mention the Nuggets bench, and winning at their home is going to be tough. He says, so why do you have the Lakers in six? What is the difference between them and the Nuggets to put them over the edge in six?
2: First off, Philly. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's my man right there.
2: Yeah, listen, Jokic is a great player, right? But there's one thing that Jokic doesn't want to do. is play defense. Yeah. And Anthony Davis, it's going to be a battle, right? It's going to be a battle. But here's the difference in all the other series so far that the Lakers have not experienced and they are salivating to play Denver. You're going to have LeBron James with Jokic in a high pick and roll. What do you think is going to happen? That's what Golden State
1: did last year.
2: Exactly. When you do that, you're now going to allow other people to collapse and try to help, and you're going to give the Lakers open opportunities, and these role players have shown the ability to step up to the plate. I'm not saying that it's going to be an easy series. I'm just telling you that the Lakers are better. They are. They just are. Like, Jokic is one thing. Aaron Gordon you taking Aaron Gordon over Braun no are you taking KCP over Austin Reeves no are you taking the bench over the Lakers bench no No. with Lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere Our, listen, even Mike Malone is a good coach, but you know how I felt about Mike Malone for years. I think he's decent, but there's certain times in the playoffs he pulls the wrong card. And I'm just waiting for that card to happen, and it's going to be against our team. I'm just saying that there's a lot of things schematically that Denver is not going to be able to deal with. That's all I'm saying. Okay. It's 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 not a matter of like Denver's not good. It's just the fact that Lakers are just better. That's all it is. And whether people want to believe it or not, they don't have to listen to me. I'm a truth teller. But you, if you want to see it play out, it's fine. <laughs> we'll see it play out. It's fine.
1: You're, Barry, you're only halfway there. Y'all only won the championship. Yeah, I just want to I, remind I'm you. I'm not that. talking about championship. I'm I know. I'm saying just saying
2: that I know for a fact that I've seen this movie before. I've seen it
1: before. Okay. That's
2: all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying.
1: Okay. That's fair. I do want to move on, though, to a far more serious topic. That's the John Morant situation. I know you've talked extensively about that on on social media. It's been a topic of discussion uh, today in the sports world. My immediate takeaway and then I'll I'll, I'll hand it over to you is I said at my, on my show at the time that the first incident happened just two months ago was the fact that the NBA, not just the NBA, but even as well, the Grizzlies. I don't even call it a punishment. It was – heck, I don't even call it a slap on the wrist. There no, was the no whole way. thing – the whole thing about he stayed in Florida. Like Now we're starting to question that. Uh, it was an yeah, eight-game – sus- right? Oh, yeah, exactly. It was an eight-game suspension, but he had already served most of the eight games. Uh, you know, he did the interview with Jalen Rose. I remember that. And it was – it all felt rushed. And anytime, and, you know, not to get too deep here, but anybody who's ever dealt with with um, with mental health issues – man, it's, it's a process. It's just like, um, I heard someone once call it, um, it's like brushing your teeth. Like and you got to do it. You got to work on it every single day. It can't just be like this one week process, which I felt like it was with John Morant. Uh, so was I surprised in the slightest that this IG life happened? No. Um, but this is kind of who John has shown himself to be. I feel like this should be a minimum half season suspension, uh, just given how close the two events, uh, happen, uh, with one another. Yeah. And, um, I put 95% of the blame on Ja and 5% of the blame on the Memphis Grizzlies because they have allowed this to happen. They allowed Godzilla to run wild in the, in the city, and now they're just surprised that it's – listen, Dylan Brooks is a symptom of the problem. He's not the problem. Nope. There's nothing Dylan Brooks has done that's come close to this. But that's sort of my immediate takeaway. What's What, what was your uh, thoughts right off the bat when when the job ja gun situation happened?
2: So the initial reaction that I had was idiot brain. If you have anybody in your immediate circle that is showing symptoms of idiot brain, I will explain exactly what idiot brain is. It is certain things that spew out of your mouth. There's certain looks that you have. You'll have this stoic, distant look. You'll start to do a lot of stupid things, the things that you've done before. They won't process in your brain and register that there's actually something wrong with you or something that you're doing incorrect. So that you'll continue to repeat it. So somebody will tell you, hey, that's not a good idea. Oh, you're right. Okay, cool. And then you'll go back right back and do it again. Idiot brain. So when I saw it happen, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised. It didn't shock me because the first initial time it happened, I said, believe who he is. Stop trying to project about oh, he's this. You know, listen, Jock could be a good kid. I'm not saying that he's not, but th- this is who he is. He's a good kid that has. Terrible character flaws. Can he fix those character flaws a hundred percent? Does he want to? Mm. That's the question. You can be able to have counselors and guidance people, influencers and impact his life. Good people. I'm sure his parents are very, very good people and raised a good kid and raised him in a middle class home. He's not. He doesn't. He doesn't come from the streets. He wasn't sleeping on the streets, right? But if he wants to be this, no amount of uh, uh, guidance that he got from his parents or coaches or or whoever is going to prevent him from being a knucklehead. That's what he wants to be. So as an organization, as the NBA, you have to be the ones to say, "Okay, if this is who you want to be, we don't want this. And we are going to put the hammer down on you. Fifty-five games is what he needs. Hmm. See, the thing is, it's there's a lot of people, and, and I've ha- I have a lot of people in my life as well that this is this happens to, right? Where you know you want the best for them, you want them to do well, you want them to get on the right track and not be a screw up. But some people have to learn the hard way. Ja Moran is one of those people. He's twenty-three years old. Twenty-three years old. Sometimes you have to learn the hard way. If you get it taken away from you, then and only then will you understand the importance of what you're actually doing. But they didn't try to take it away from him. He gave him a slap on the wrist, just like you said. This time, it needs to be different. If you have an image of your league, if you have an image of your team, of what you want to portray to young kids in the community, and, and, and you want these players to be role models, we've already heard that. Players are not role models. Well, they are by default because kids are watching them anyway. They want to be like them. They're always going to be role models, even if they don't want to be. So if that's what you need for your organization, or if that's what you're trying to portray for your league, for your image, you need to give him 55 games. Nothing more, nothing less. If you want to, if you want to give more, that's, but 55 I think is a good number for him. Because that's gonna let him sit there and really, really understand, like, yo, what am I really doing with my life? Because all of this can be taken away and all those and those same dudes that I'm driving around with having a good time in the car, flashing guns, you think they're gonna be around? Or they're just gonna look at him like, yeah, that's, that dude used to be up. He used to be that guy that was that was a superstar in the league. Yeah, we go on to the next one. They're not gonna care. So he has to understand that it's like you are you are somebody that is a is a role model. You have to start behaving that way. You got to start moving your circle. You got to start moving differently. And if he doesn't get that, then the NBA just needs to do it for him. That's all.
1: And something else too. A few more takeaways for me was that Adam Silver dropped the hammer on Draymond Green for the stomp on Sabonis because he felt as if there was this History, this narrative. Right? The, the history, but this also this this narrative around the commissioner that always oh, too light on players, and I, and so he came down too hard in my view, and I think in your view as well on Draymond Green. You don't think he's going to hear about the last time that he came down too easy on Ja? That he's not going to try and do the same thing again for something far more severe than what Draymond did on the court? So I think that, that that's a factor as well, and something else too. And, and, and I've I've been on this for a year that the Grizzlies are a better basketball team without Ja Morant. Not just I mean, the fact that he's he's a, liab- he's a liability defensively. Uh, they, they move the ball way better with Tyus Jones in, who's more of a pure, you know, cl- kind of classic vintage point guard. Uh, and, and by the way, they're a better shooting team with them off the floor. You got guys like Bain, like Kennard. Yep. Uh, Tyus Jones can knock down the three, even Jaron Jackson. Uh, and so is it time for the Grizzlies to at least consider it? Because I, I, I've kind of been, I've kind of been on this for a year that, and by the way, in the locker room, I'm not, I'm not sure he's all that great.
0: It,
2: listen, I, I, that could be the case, right? That he's not. He's not the best locker room guy because at the end of the day, you know, we did hear you know Stephen Adams was trying to get the yep. guys together and he walked out of there and stuff like that. But, but at the end of the day, he's 23, right? He he's a young he's a young kid. But th- I agree with you. At some point, you can't use that as an excuse anymore because yeah. you're 23 and they've given you a lot of money. They've given you a lot of responsibility for you to wake up and grow up fast and try to get to where they want you to be they paid you for not who you are for who they think you're going to be and right. if you're not living up to that standard see this is why the nfl is what the nfl is if this was in the nfl he would be cut already
1: oh 100 percent.
2: like if, if it violated whatever policies obviously it's not the same thing of of you know domestic violence or anything like that but you know, if whatever policies they have in place and you break them, they don't—they're not hesitant to cut you in the NFL. You're a dime a dozen in the NFL because it's about the team rather than the individual. Yes. In basketball, it's the other way around: is that the individuals run the teams? Memphis has to take charge of their franchise. The NBA needs to take charge of their image. Uh, I was having a conversation. With my homies and shouts to my man Fang McFrost and Chili McFreeze from the All Even Podcast. Um, we were we were talking about dress code. We were talking about how the dress code in the NBA, although you know, you want guys to be expressive, I would like to see it get a little bit more buttoned up again. Because it it's a it's a professional thing. This is a league. This is a profession. This is a a billion-dollar company. You are going to look the way I want you to look, off the court, coming to the arena. Whatever you do, your tattoos, whatever. But coming to the arena, you're going to have a certain look. In your press conferences, you're going to have a certain look because that's the image that the NBA wants to portray. I think it's time for them to really start to think about everything, everything, just everything in, in in a pot. And it starts here. <clears throat> Honestly, I think John Moran is going to have to learn a hard lesson, and it's time for it. It's time for it.
1: <clears throat> okay. No, I, I feel you. I mean, I, I think I can make the argument that the NFL's dress code isn't all that different from the all NBA.
2: Leagues. I think all of them, not just okay. the NBA. I'm not going to single out the NBA. I think all of them. I think all of them.
1: Okay. All right. I, I feel you there. Let's see. We have some comments here. Um. Let's see, I and mean, this is this is one hundred percent right. Our guy Parnell from the Grid, Shannon Sharp said, "A wise person learns from someone else's mistakes. A fool learns from their own." That is actually uh, a Bible verse that is very much applies to the situation uh, with uh, John Morant. Uh, Grady says Joshua gets suspended the season. He needs to learn. Can't baby the man. That, and that's what I'm saying. Like it's got to be. It's got to be something that's sort of a culture shock because clearly Barry, the 40 million dollars he lost by not making the All NBA team, didn't affect him that much.
2: Why? Why should he care when he still has his Nike deal and he has he has a Powerade deal? You think you think he's gonna? He's 23 years old. You know what your thought process is at 23 when you're making over 200 million dollars? Is that the money will never run out. It'll yeah. never stop coming in, until it does. That's what a twenty-three year old thinks like. Oh, I got all this money now. By the time I'm thirty, I'm gonna be a billionaire. They don't care. Do you think he sneezes at forty million dollars? Well, okay, cool. I lost forty. I'll get. I'll get eighty. I get another hundred million somewhere else. That's how he's thinking. Until you take it away, and then he's gonna be like, "Damn, this 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 is really it." Like I blew through all of that money because I thought it would be more. You no. Know? This is it. End of the road. That's what reality is for John Moran is that they have to take it away. That's that doesn't mean that you're 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 trying to be mean to the kid or whatever, but you gotta he gotta learn a lesson. He has to learn a lesson.
1: I'm with you. Again, there's gotta be a statement made in some way, shape, or form. Uh moving to a, a firing that shocked us both, Monty Williams and Phoenix. Uh Phoenix to me has way more institutional um, uh, issues than. Uh, 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 hang on. Phoenix to me has more institutional issues uh, in terms of the situation with, with the coach. W- I'm sorry, with the owner, uh, the no owner, Matt Ishbia, with uh, you know sort of the two stars, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, uh, sort of being all that the team has, not having any depth. And Monty Williams felt like he was sort of that only sta- uh, stable. Uh, stabilizing force, right. building a culture to an organization that was in the dumpster for a decade. Yeah. And to sort of single him out, and listen, does he deserve blame for the series? Absolutely. To to be down 30 and back-to-back closeout games is inexcusable and falls back on the coach in some way, shape, or form. But to, and we don't know what the future is of DeAndre Ayton, but to move on from Monty Williams before you do Ayton is really confusing to me.
2: Uh, you, you know what it is, man. It's it's always somebody has to fall on the sword, right? And and the thing is, they have they have new management now, so yep. it's always going to be the excuses that they want to hire their guy. They want to make sure that they have their principles, their ideologies in place, and all of that stuff. And Monty Williams was always going to be the scapegoat. Um, he's a great coach, and I I think we had a conversation that when it happened, I said expect him to be the the Bucks head coach within the next few weeks and I can I'm I'm putting my stake on that. I think he's going to okay. be the next coach. If it's not Mark Jackson, if not if, Gian, if Giannis doesn't push for that to happen. Um but but yeah, it's it's I don't know what they really expected Monty Williams to do with a depleted team um with a point guard that can't stay healthy to save his life in regards to basketball, uh with a big man that just doesn't have the the willpower or the I'm I'm not, I'll never, I'll never test his drive as an athlete. I'm not going to say that, but he is very low motor. And when you have a low motor, big man like that, that looks like he's very disinterested at times. That is very frustrating for a coach that wants to make sure that he's getting the most out of his players. And as a coach, when you see a kid like that, that is falling by the wayside in regards to motivation, you feel like a failure. And that, that turns into animosity towards that kid or whatever. And the relationship just doesn't really click. Um, And you've seen that over the last two seasons with, with, with the, uh, with the Suns even more than that. So it's, it's, it's just one of those things where I think they management looked at, listen, you know, Monty's a good coach, but we just need our guy. Um, In Milwaukee. I mean, we've seen coach Bud get fired. Right. And it's one of those things where it's, you know, it's 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 the first domino to fall. That it's always going to be the coach. Is it fair? No, it's not fair. Um, the interesting one is not even Monty to me, Bryson.
1: Nick Nurse.
2: It's not even Nick Nurse. It's Doc Rivers.
1: Oh yeah, Now I was going to get to that get that series as well. Yeah, I would be. Yeah, I'm.
2: Not, you know, I want to go ahead and go. Sure, into sure. Yeah, I just I would be shocked if they keep Doc
1: Rivers. I'd oh, same shocked. here. Be shocked. Who, do you think Philly would take one of these guys like a Nick nurse like a uh, Mark, Mark Jackson see I don't know if the way they play would necessarily Mark Jackson would necessarily suit that you know um, What's
2: funny about that is that sometimes life is very cyclical in certain situations. Who's to say that Philly doesn't you know kind of circle the, the the wagons here and go get Monty because remember they kept uh homeboy. And let Monty go. What's Brett his name? Brown? Brett Brown. Yeah. And they let Brett Brown yeah. stay and let Monty go. And they had regretted doing that. Who's to say that they don't bring Monty in and let him be the one to try to see if they can salvage this this pairing with um M B because I think M B and the organization are, are at odds right now. I think M B oh, is absolutely. looking at uh what his options are. If he can be able to get out of Philly. If he can't, then obviously he'll stay, but it, there's going to be a lot of, it, there's going to be a lot of turnover with them too. You know, it's, it, it's going to be an interesting, interesting dynamic because they're going to have to look at James Harden and say,
0: hmm. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumba It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, what are you? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, what? Oh, I don't have
1: questions about who James is. but
2: Well, exa- well I think they do because, you know, uh, whatchamacallit, the, the the general manager loves James Harden. Sorry, yeah. it's 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 one of those things where they're going to have to do a lot of soul searching there's a lot of there's a lot of problems on that roster and and what Embiid said is not wrong but it just sounds crazy because he's the MVP and then you got Harden who's a top 75 player right but what he's saying in theory isn't really wrong it just sounds crazy because he's a B right but when you look at the 76ers roster it's not really that impressive they're not really that deep. Besides Tyrese Maxey, I don't really like their pieces. I don't. So, you know, and I think Embiid sees that as well. It's like, all right, cool. We, you know, we have maybe two, three guys here, but this is not a team that is that is as good as where we're at. You know what I mean? So,
1: it's tough. And I was on IG Live with, with our guy Patrick Brown of The Grid uh, yesterday, and he made the great point. I've been talking about this too, is – it feels like 2019 was the best chance when Kawhi made the walk-off shot because that was a very deep roster. It was yeah. arguably, the, probably the, to Golden State, the second-best starting lineup in basketball. Right. Um, and I feel like the, the, everything started has sort of started to crash and burn, if you, even if you look at the Ben Simmons situation before that, is choosing Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler. Which, I, uh, hindsight's 20, 20, But that but that, that's still to this. Even in 2019, I remember thinking, man, I like Tobias, he's a Tennessee guy, but really? I and it, me, I don't understand it. And that. you know what's funny too is the fact that uh, since Jimmy went to Miami, they made three conference finals now, and all three of the teams he's played for has yet to get there sense. <laughs> so you know, it's, the, the Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, Butler effect is a real thing.
2: Jimmy Butler effect is real, man. Jimmy Butler effect is and, real.
1: And I don't want to hear it. By the way, I don't want to hear Ben Simmons say nothing. I know he posts that picture on so Bro, listen, you uh, listen. don't play basketball.
2: Look, man. Uh, I,
1: Come on, man.
2: The cat's out of the bag for for my dummy the week this week. That's <laughs> Just let you know, it's a. I've announced it on your show, it's gonna be best. Okay.
0: It's
2: gonna be best Because, for, first of all, what are you watching the game for? What are you watching the game for? You got no stake in the fight, don't say nothing, don't even post, don't even let people know that you're watching the game. Because they're gonna be like, You watch basketball, you really do, you you watch the game. Because if you watch the game, you, you see people actually shoot the ball, right? They shoot, uh, you know, they, 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 they look interested. Mm-hmm. So, if you're watching, you, you must take something away from watching the game. (laughs) I'm just saying. Yeah,
1: I I can, I can say, bit. he's got to be my least favorite athlete in all sports. I'm not even kidding. I cannot stand Ben Simmons.
2: I I can't call him an athlete. He doesn't play enough.
1: (laughs) That's true. That's true. You're right. You're right. You're you're, you're, you're right. Is there, You know, sort of briefly, and I'll let you get out of here, on the uh, Boston-Miami series. Again, I'll predict that at at the end of today's show. Is there anything coming out of that? Because Boston's clearly the more talented team. In Miami, it feels like Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and older Kyle Lowry, and sort of the band of misfit toys uh, after that. What's sort of your early outlook on the series, Uh, obviously rematch of last year and 2020's Eastern Conference Finals, uh, for Boston-Miami?
2: I think that Miami is going to get disrespected. I think that people are already favoring Boston, and that's fine. But the one thing that people are not – well, not even the one thing, but Eric Spolstra is a seasoned coach. He's yep. going to run circles around Missoula. He's going to run laps around him. Jimmy Butler, um, you, you're going to get the best out of him. Uh, it's going to be a dog dogfight. I, I, I have Miami winning in six. Oh, okay. We're going, get, we're going to get a Lakers-Heat rematch from the bubble. That's what I'm predicting uh, because I I think that Jimmy is just at a level right now and he's bringing those guys along. They're playing well. Those role players are excellent. They're they're Mm -hmm. playing, you know, really, really good basketball. They have shot the ball. Well, they shot the ball, you know, very, very good in in the Knicks series. Um, You know, Boston is a a better defensive team. Yes. But I'm going to see what, Tatum and Brown are gonna be able to do for for an entire series against this team, against Eric Spolstra. It's one thing to be able to do that um against the Philadelphia 76ers and, and the scariest man on the planet, Doc Rivers, who doesn't make any adjustments. But to do it against Eric Spolstra, that in itself is going to be a task. So we're gonna see. We're gonna see how that goes. But I got
1: Miami winning. And look, they did it last year by the absolute skin of their teeth. Yeah, you know, Jimmy Butler makes one shot. Man, I, I, listen, because because Miami went in that crazy run in Game 7. I remember they were down like 12 with two, uh, about three minutes left and made that crazy run. So, listen, I, I don't discount anything. And, you, you know, I I love me some playoff Jimmy Butler. I said coming in this – I've been consistent all season long. They were a contender. And uh, heat culture is a very, very real thing. And I think it would be – I think it would be great for the NBA. Even Just that the Lakers make the finals, it would be good because then you get an L.A.-Miami series with those two cities cross-country – or you get a uh, Lakers-Celtics, which I know I'm sure you as a Lakers fan would be very piped up for.
2: Oh, listen, man, there would be nothing more pleasurable for me as a fan to see that Celtics team on that other side and we smoke their boots in five.
1: Oh, there's it's a smoke boots. I was waiting for it. It's
2: not going to happen. Miami's getting there. But whoever gets there from the east, I'm just letting y'all know right now. They're getting smoked. <laughs> smoked. <laughs> They're getting smoked. They boost going to get smoked just like everybody else. Okay.
1: I would it. say you smoked Golden State outside of six, them. but
2: we smoked them. Uh, okay. Yeah. We smoked them. Jordan never played in the game seven all right, in, in the finals. It was always six. It was always six because of by design, right? He wanted to snatch it from you. He wanted to snatch it away, snatch your dreams. And that's what LeBron James is he's a dream snatcher. Game yes. guys win game five, come in, and everybody's happy. All oh, the punished, oh, Golden State got a chance. Oh, Nuggets gonna have a chance too. And the same thing's gonna happen. They're gonna go to Denver, win game five. Everybody's gonna be, like, oh, Joker's gonna come out, go to the crypto, and he's gonna have a big game. There's gonna be a 40 burger, Bron gonna have 35, 10, and 15, and then everybody gonna be like this. Well, don't know. Don't know what happened. Ah uh, we we picked the nuggets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fine, we've seen this story already. Okay, we've seen this story already, Bryce. Well, with the
1: twenty twenty with the twenty twenty two Warriors you talk about, because this sounds like a very similar.
2: That what you know? What it's a good point because everybody was doubting them too, and including
1: yourself, Barry. Including yourself,
2: I'll always doubt the Warriors. all Right? That's not smart. What you say, Kobe?
1: What? Oh, there he goes.
2: Uh, Job not not finished. What? Lakers and Six,
1: right? Don't bring the mom into this.
2: That's what I said. Yeah, that's what I said. We're going to smoke their boots, okay? And I, I, I'm going to say it on your show, KCP, if he runs his mouth one time, he's going to damn his team, Bryson. He better just, just quiet. Quiet. Don't say nothing. Oh, don't say God, nothing.
1: You're going yep be insufferable.
2: You know you what? Know, before I go, yeah, I heard this pundit say. I don't want to say any names. I don't want to embarrass anybody. He said that, oh, you know, KCP, the former Laker, he's going to know what they're looking for. How? It's a whole different team. regime. It's not the same coach. It ain't the same team. What are you talking about? This, this is what we have to deal with here, Bryson. We're watching TV, and we have to watch these people and hear these stupid takes. But people don't want to watch our show because we, we, we're, on the up, we're on the come up, right? That's all right. That's all right. You ain't never going to hear me say no stupid nonsense like that. KCP knows what the Lakers want to do. How? You yeah. going to call LeBron and ask?
1: Well, what's what what what's the medical case that you just uh, articulated? That they brain. Have? Yeah, Indian
2: brain It's when the brainstem get you know detaches from the spinal cord, and and it's it's there's just there's just nothing registering back here. There's a lot of a lot of yeah. fog. So what happens on TV? I guess the cameras and the lights it gives a lot of fog. But the one thing I'm gonna tell them, they better they better start writing their apologies. They better start walking it back from now. Charles Barkley, Shaq, uh, 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 Stephen A. Smith, uh, Richard Jefferson, all of them. I'm gonna walk it back. Because when the Lakers is, is raising that trophy, I am going to have the I'm telling you, that I don't can know be awful, dude. Know I'm gonna have, but I may, I may end up doing seven shows that week. And it's gonna be the same topic on every show. Every show. Maybe I'll be maybe a show for every pundit that doubted oh.
1: Vegas. I like that. I like that.
2: I may have that. What what did you say Kobe?
1: I could be on there for the Skip Bayless show. Yeah. Uh, I I'll, I'll be there for that.
2: Yeah, Kobe you said that's a good idea. It's yeah. Kobe said it's a good idea. So, okay. this is what we are doing. All right. Lakers yeah, he- in 6, Heat in 6, and then we're going to have a nice NBA finals. That's my prediction right
1: there. And then may- maybe when it's over, we can we can show off our rings together. We we can we can we can show off the bling.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't get ring, but I, I do think that was a nice one that you got. That's a nice one. It's,
1: it's pretty awesome. You should see it, Barry Grant Jr. of the All Even Podcast. And uh, hey, look, it's about time you want to bet on me, right? I mean, it took you long enough. You still got a losing record, but that's not the nor there. Uh, your team won, and uh, Warriors and six in twenty twenty four. You heard it here first. Yeah, it's right. funny.
2: You guys can have it next year, okay? We gonna get it this year.
1: <laughs> I'm sure you are. I'm sure. What'd you are. say,
2: Kobe? Yeah. What? Yeah,
1: Barry Grant junior all even podcast. See you, bro. Something's wrong with that dude. This this is this is just so wrong. Uh, John John's already saying Boston and five.
0: Dang boy, five feels quick.
1: Five feels real quick for a team that just had a seven game series. A uh, lot of comments to address. Uh, Grady, Bryson, would you be interested in a Jordan pull for eight in trade? You know what, Grady? It feels like if we get a DeAndre Ayton for Jordan Poole, it feels like we're just getting a seven-foot Jordan Poole. <laughs> like he doesn't necessarily play dumb basketball like Poole does, but the like Barry was talking about the effort, not there. The uh the again the drive, I'm not really sure was there. I don't even know if he necessarily fits Golden State. A Miles Turner in Indiana, I think fits fits great in Golden State. He can space the floor. Uh, you know he's good in the pick and roll, pick and pop because he can shoot. Yeah, I, I think I think a Miles Turner makes way more sense. I, but I don't. It, it's it's like replacing a uh, a um, gosh, I don't know a, a, a concussion with a you know sprained ankle. It's like you're not winning either way. Oh uh, gosh, let's see. Got a lot of trying to find some more comments we can take a look at. Uh, I, I, I like. I see. I feel bad doing this now that Barry's not on here to defend himself. But uh, Parnell, Barry is not a truth teller. If anything, he's crazy, especially with his Cowboys. Oh, he's crazy. I feel very comfortable in saying that. He's just. Oh golly! One day we'll see him in a Steph Curry jersey, though. It's it's okay. It's okay. We'll see him in his Steph Curry jersey, and and and, and it will be just like last year. And I got to to gloat. He gets to gloat this year. You you win some and you lose some. I'll get him in twenty four. That's what's going to happen. Speaking of the Warriors, last Warriors time before I get to my conference finals predictions, I just want to address this for about five minutes or so. Maybe less. Just see what happens. This notion. Circulated all throughout social media. LeBron just ended the Warriors dynasty. Well, he ended our season. I mean, that's, that's undeniable. He is, in my view, again, the greatest player of all time. And at age 38... Scored 30 points, grabbed nine boards, dished out nine assists, and played out excellent defense all night. 10 for 14 for the field. It was a classic LeBron James closeout performance. And he's still yet to blow a 3-1 lead, as I incorrectly predicted in the middle of the series. The Lakers outplayed the Warriors. I still maintain to a certain degree, Darvin Ham might have just slightly, you can blame this on personnel, out coach Steve Kerr. They ended our season. The notion they ended the dynasty is hilarious. So, so the Patriots won every year. So from, from, from t- 2001 to 20, their last Super Bowl was 2018. They, they won every year, right? Folks, the Patriots had a decade in between championships. They made a couple Super Bowls. Super Bowl forty-two, they lost to the Giants. Super Bowl forty-six, they lost again to the Giants. But they were still really good. They were in contention year in and year out. This was a down season for the Warriors. I don't think that's arguable. You come off a championship, and you only win 44 games the next year. You deal with some of the internal stuff. A down year for the Warriors. Steph's two major injuries. Uh, The Wiggins' absence. Jordan Poole taking a massive step down or step back in terms of his development, in terms of his productivity. All the bad things that happened for the Warriors this season. And they lost in a game six of the second round to a team that I think is about to go win the championship. That's the down season, when almost everything went wrong. Wasn't a first-round exit, wasn't like you failed to make the playoffs, wasn't like you had to be in the play-in tournament or something like that. Is Steph Curry still in his prime? Did he literally just average 29, 6, and 6 on almost 50, 40, 90% shooting? I'm pretty sure he just did that. Maybe I'll have to look at stats again. Didn't he just average 30 for an entire postseason? Didn't Klay Thompson have the best shooting year of his career? Didn't Draymond Green, who I've, oh my gosh, the Draymond Green slander. We got to stop it right now. I'll tell you, Draymond's getting older. His skills are receding. So much so, he was second-team All-Defense. Again. Kevon Looney just had his best season as a pro. And was a lock, at least when he was in the starting lineup, to grab 15 rebounds a night. Dante DiVincenzo had arguably his best season as a pro. Andrew Wiggins in the last full season he had was an All-Star and was the second-best player on a championship team last year. They still have Steve Kerr, who I maintain is one of the best coaches in the NBA. They play in a Western Conference, which is topsy turvy all over the place. I feel as that the Lakers are the best team, and Denver's uh, screw that. I think Golden State's the second best team in the West, but you know we didn't get a chance to face Denver because the Lakers beat us because they're the best team in the West. But who do you trust more? You trust you trust Memphis with all the organizational turmoil they're they're going through there. Yeah, do you, do you trust Sacramento? Who, while they're coming, make no mistake about it, they play literally no defense. You trust Minnesota? Really? How, how about the Clippers? Yeah, we, we still wait for this Clippers uh, experiment to to play itself out and get past the Western Conference Finals one time. Oklahoma City, which is still a bunch of kids, they're coming as well. I think they're going to make the playoffs next year if they're healthy, but they are still babies in the NBA. We trust all of these teams. If you want to say the Lakers, I got no issue with that. They just beat us. Denver, I'd be a little more weary on, but I I, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't cost me sleep. You know, if someone said, oh, De- Denver is better than Golden State. Who else out West scares you? Next year, with a Warriors team that is going to be retooled. Because it has to be. Because to me, if you run this team back, your ceiling is the Western Conference Finals. You move on from Jordan Poole. Again, Barry brought up, you know, the Russell Westbrook thing. Folks, if Russell Westbrook on that contract can be traded, anything's possible in terms of moving deals. Golden State can move on from Poole, bring Draymond Green back in a long-term extension. You get a healthy Andrew Wiggins. Uh, you, again, Klay Thompson just came off one of the best regular seasons of his career. Steph is still Steph. He's He ain't the best player in the world, so I believe he is. He's no lower than two. The sky's the limit for Golden State this offseason. So this notion of the dynasty's odds, oh, it's, it's it's over. It's it's done. But didn't we just literally do this? You know, from from uh from 2019 to 22? Right? We we weren't even healthy in 2020 Our dynasty's over. You know, it's easy to say that when the four best players from the team before aren't there or aren't healthy, you know? 2021, dynasty's over. Yeah, it's easy to say that when the bench is awful and there's no clay Thompson. All but last year, give Steph just a few pieces to go with Clay and Draymond, and all of a sudden. They were the NBA champions. Go back to the veteran route. Get some guys who have been there and done that. Now, I think you keep some of the young guys. I still, I, I'm going to die in the Moses Moody Hill. I still believe in the kid. I think he really fits in Golden State. like what I saw from him, particularly at the end of this season. I think Dante DiVincenzo was a perfect fit. Bringing Gary Payton back was great. He fits the, the Warriors very well. Gonna need some size, gonna need some wing presence. And all of a sudden, the Golden State Warriors will be back in the NBA Finals next year, winning the 2024 championship. Just some little retooling in the roster and some good vibes in the locker room. There wasn't that all season. You move on from Jordan Poole. All of a sudden, you got it back. It's as simple as that. Warriors dynasty over. Get out of here with that. Come on, man. Let's see. Uh, Oh, interesting. Man, Barry was right. The Miami disrespect is coming. Grady, Miami feels like the only team with no shot, no shot to win the title. I I, I have a hard time saying a team that gets the Eastern Conference Finals has no shot. I mean, especially as inconsistent as Boston could be from game to game. I'm not going to reveal my pick until I predict the series, but no shot feels a bit harsh, Grady. I'm not going to lie to you. And I was waiting for this. John Rivera looks like a brand new born baby with the shave. That's uh, that's what I'm saying, John. I feel, I feel exposed. I feel not like myself. I don't have that same sort of, I don't know, it's all my mojo right now. I'm just waiting for this thing to grow back as as fast as possible. Ugh, this has not been a good show. And John, John was saying uh, uh, so was Brooks. You talk about uh, Dylan Brooks? Talking about the guy who's going to be playing China next year? Ugh. Hey, at least Memphis went out in round one, right? Okay. So, conference finals predictions. We're down to four. 26, I'm sorry, 30 teams had hopes and dreams of winning a championship. Obviously, not all 30 had realistic goals. There's plenty of teams that are rebuilding. But now we're down to four that have a shot to win the championship. So, we're going to start. If we can get the background music uh, going right now. See if we can get it. Here we go. All right. In Denver, Colorado, the Western Conference Finals between, and this makes me want to puke in my mouth, the Los Angeles Lakers, the 7th seed, against the Denver Nuggets, the 1 seed. Lakers got here by virtue of winning in 6 games against the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round. Thank you, Lakers. And by beating the defending world champion Golden State Warriors... In six games. I didn't appreciate that much. The Nuggets got to this stage by taking out the Minnesota Timberwolves in a gentleman sweep in five games, and the Phoenix Suns in the second round in six games to get to this point. Now, game one, just, just right off the bat, Denver's a six-point favorite. I think the Nuggets are going to win game one. They got more rest of the Lakers. The altitude, I think it's going to be a bit of adjustment for the Lakers in game one. I think Denver wins probably by eight to ten points. So they take an early 1-0 lead. But I think the Lakers steal game two, just like they stole game one against Memphis, just like they stole game one against the Warriors. I think they're going to steal game two against Denver, tie the series up, going back to L.A. And we talked about this with Barry. Denver's got a good bench. Got Bruce Brown, got uh, some good bigs come off the bench, and a solid starting lineup. Nikola Jokic has been unbelievable in the postseason, and Jamal Murray has been, for the most part, playoff Murray. Got Aaron Gordon. Gordon. You got Michael Porter Jr. Sort of hit or miss, and you got Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, who again did play for the Los Angeles Lakers, won a championship in 2020, and is a solid two-way player. In terms of the matchups, the Lakers are as good of a team in the NBA in terms of defensive guards that there are. Dennis Schroeder. I'm sorry. Can we put some respect in Austin Reeves' defense? Austin Reeves, we know what he is on the offensive end. He, he's a good 20-point-per-game scorer, good shooter, good all-around scorer in general. Broke Steph Curry's ankles in Game 6. He's got a handle. Austin Reeves plays defense. Did you watch that Warriors series What he was doing to Klay Thompson? And and well, he didn't want to do much to Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole's mostly doing that to himself. The point is, Reeves is a good defender. They're going to need both of those guys to step up, particularly in the defensive end, against the likes of a Jamal Murray and whether it be a Michael Porter Jr. If they play him at the two, if they decide to go big, if they, you know, if it's KCP, K- uh, it's Caldwell Pope. Those two guys, to me, defensively, Rui Hachimura as well, not a guard, more of a wing player, has got to step up on the defensive end against the likes of Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. Now, those are two different players. Uh, MPJ is more of the the shooter. Gordon's more of the slasher uh, type of guy. And again, the coaching matchup is fascinating. yet Darvin Ham just went toe-to-toe with Steve Kerr. Now he's got Michael Malone, who I think it's fair to say is not the caliber of a coach that Kerr is. To me, the Lakers go into L.A., and they take games three and four. They've been undefeated in the playoffs. Matter of fact, both teams are undefeated in the playoffs coming into the series. Denver keeps that going in game one. Lakers in that game two. They take three and four at home, just like they did against Memphis and Golden State. Denver responds, wins game five. And I do have the Los Angeles Lakers closing it out in game six. They win and advance to the NBA Finals in 2023 in six games against the Nuggets. Uh, both teams, I've said since about the All-Star break, I bought into both as content. Well, of course, I, I bought in the Nuggets as contenders out of the All-Star break. For the Lakers, I did not. About a month after that, though, I'm like, okay, there's there's something different about this team. There's something that works here. And we saw that and how it's played itself out at the end of the regular season and into the postseason. L.A., Something I I did not think I'd be saying back in October. Your Lakers are going to be playing in the NBA Finals. (sighs) And you will not see this jersey back out again. I just want want that on the record. The second series. The eight seed, the Miami Heat. The two seed, Boston Celtics. A rematch of not only the 2020 Eastern Conference Finals, but last year's Eastern Conference Finals. Right off the bat at home, the Celtics. Big favorites at home, minus eight. Um, here's what I'm looking at for, for this series. And by the way, Miami beat gentlemen swept the one seed bucks and they took the New York Knicks out in six in the second round to get to this point. The Celtics beat the Atlanta Hawks in six games in the first round, a series that lasted way longer than it should have. And beat the Philadelphia 76ers in seven games yesterday to advance to the ECF. The coaching matchup is the most lopsided of the entire playoffs. Joe Mazzula, who I'm starting to kind of like as time goes on. I like the adjustment he made. He put Robert, remember he put Robert Williams in the starting lineup of game six, took Derek White out. That was a huge adjustment for Philly. Uh, you know, Williams played excellent. Both ends of the floor gave you about 10 points and great rim protection. He's one of the better rim protectors in the entire league. You think about a Boston team that's Jason Tatum is absolutely inserting himself, potentially, potentially, into that top five players of the world conversation. He's got to, he's got to, Lead his team to the finals and maybe win a championship. If not, play well in the finals, which he did not do last year. Again, I think a lot of credit there goes to Golden State. Jalen Brown's going to have to step up. They certainly have the deeper bench. They're the better defensive team than the Miami Heat are. But at least in these playoffs, the Heat have the best player in this series. And they have the best coach in this series. Jimmy Butler, Eric Spoelstra. They also have a slew of veterans, which the Celtics do as well. A slew of veterans who have been there, done that. Kyle Lowry, Kevin Love, heck, even on the bench, the OG himself, Udonis Haslam, been there, done that. This baby's going the distance, I'm telling you right now. There's going to be some, this could be the most topsy-turvy, back-and-forth tug-of-war series. We'll have all playoffs long, just like it was last year, Right? Miami took game one at home, Celtics blew them out in game two. Miami beat Boston game three, Celtics blew them out in game four and five. The Heat shocked all of us by winning game six and by the skid of their teeth. Thanks to a Jimmy Butler missed three, the Celtics won game seven to advance to the finals last year. This thing is going seven. It's going to Boston. Jimmy will be Jimmy. I'm I'm, I'm predicting a 45-piece And similar to last year, nobody will step up, and it will be more of a team effort for Boston. Give it 23-24 from Tatum about, let's say, Jalen Brown's leading score, 27 for Brown. Al Horford, a pitch in is 12-15 to and good defense on Bam Adebayo. Robert Williams will step up. Marcus Smart, the whole bit. I'm going to take the Boston Celtics to win in seven games over the Miami Heat, who have had a fantastic run. Would I be shocked if Miami wins? No, that's why I have it going seven games the Celtics win this series, they will advance to the NBA Finals, which means we will get a Lakers-Celtics Finals. Feels almost sort of meant to be at this point, but that's what I got. Lakers win the West in six. Celtics win the East in seven. That's what I got. Uh, Yeah, John John agrees with me. He says Lakers in six. And he says, Jimmy getting 40-plus in the series. Oh, Jimmy's going to get his. That's how they if there's anything we've learned from these NBA playoffs is that Jimmy Butler's gonna get buckets. That's what he does. They don't call him Jimmy buckets for no reason. They don't call him playoff Jimmy for no reason. Very exciting series. No basketball at night, unfortunately. It's been it's so weird. Saturday and then today, no basketball whatsoever. After just these the first round was nuts and all these crazy series of the second round. But uh we're we're gonna have basketball every other day, right? For the next at least week and a half. I'm here for it. Lakers-Celtics NBA Finals. You heard it here first. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. I guess hats off to Barry Gret Jr. of the All Even Podcast for putting me through total misery and pain. And, of course, he didn't do that as much as his Lakers did, but that's not here or there. Check out Barry's show, by the way, All Even Podcast. It's pretty good here at The Grid as well as our other content creators in the grid. But again, be sure to catch Carving Up Live on Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid's YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button because it helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure, as I previously mentioned, to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network, anywhere. You get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever and whenever you get, or however rather, rather that you get your podcast this is where you can find the Grid Network, as well as of course on YouTube and all of our social media. We're we're all over the place. It's, it's the Grid. We dare to be different. Step into the Grid, as we say. I'm going to try and recover. I'm going to take this, this this stench this, blech, off of my off of my back, this Lakers jersey. Listen, you know I love LeBron James, but man, this is this is just sickening. I, I, I can't today. I'll see you on Thursday. Have a great week, everybody. Again, happy Mother's Day, belated Mother's Day to my amazing mom, to all the, uh, all the mothers out there. We love you. We appreciate you. And uh, we do not take you guys uh, or, or you women for granted. So hats off to everybody, all the wonderful mothers out there, uh, day after Mother's Day. Have a great week, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, please be sure to call your local state senators and representatives to demand change for the problem in America known as gun violence. We've got to put a stop to it very, very soon. Uh, Do our part in in the voting polls and using our voice for our local leaders. See you all on Thursday. Hopefully I'll be in a better mood by then. God bless you all, and peace out. I'm going to throw up in my mouth. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day.